Hello, welcome to this edition of Global Shapers Cambridge Hub podcast. In this edition, we are having Zofia Slamka. Zofia is a curator of the Global Shapers Hub in Cambridge and is also a psychologist. Zofia, welcome to the show. Can you tell Bye, us a bit? Thank you. Can you tell us a bit about yourself and uh, your journey in, uh, in psychology so far? Sure. Uh, and first and foremost, thanks for having me here. I know that we'll have a series of events. So um, I'm already excited to hear how different people involved in mental health, mental health at the workplace will be approaching some of the questions that we'll discuss. Uh, so I'm a psychologist. I'm also the outgoing curator of Global Shapers Cambridge Hub. I did my initial study, so the first three years of my program in Hungary, in Budapest, where I'm from. And then uh, following that, I moved to the UK and then I completed my master's degree in the University of Cambridge, hence my connection to, to Cambridge Hub. Following that, I did an internship in the World Health Organization, which shaped my, my view and my career perspectives quite a bit. That's when I became interested in the more global and international aspects of, of psychology and mental health. I worked in Cambridge for a year in a research team called the Winton Center for Risk and Evidence Communication. So there I did a bit of a, a different um, topic. And then right now I'm finishing up my PhD in King's College London, where I study autism spectrum disorder uh, and caregiver interventions for, for autism in different settings in, in Ethiopia and in Argentina. And then lastly, with the pandemic, um, of course, the pandemic has had and, and is still having quite a quite an important impact on our life. And um, so for me, that was a, a bit of a professional call. So I, I thought that as psychologists, what we sign up to as professionals is really just uh, supporting people when they are in need. And so, um, so we started a, a mental health crisis center in Budapest. And, um, and then following that, um, I started, I worked as a counselor, as a freelancer, and then a bit more than six months ago, I registered a, a counseling company called Amka Counseling. Um, so this is my new contribution and my new journey in the field of mental health. Wow, that is absolutely impressive. <laughs> well done. Um, the first question that I'd like to ask you is, what do we mean under mental health? We obviously hear a lot in the current climate that there is an increase in mental health issues. Would stress qualify as mental health? Does loneliness qualify as a mental health problem? Sure. So, so that's an interesting question because I guess different people would give a different definition. For me, mental health means everyone has their own mental health. And I look at it as a spectrum. So we, we all have our, men, just like physical health, I might be doing really well today. I don't have any physical symptoms. I'm doing fine, but I can do really well. I might be fit. I might be eating very healthily. And so therefore I feel energetic. I feel motivated in my everyday life. Uh, and then I might get COVID-19 at some point and I'm not going to do very well. And then likewise, when we speak about mental health, in my understanding, it's a spectrum. We all have it. Uh, and then a lot of us would just be doing fine, generally speaking. And then we might be doing really well. We might be uh, living a purpose-driven life, a purpose-driven career. Um, we might be living a couple of months uh, in our life where we feel really energetic, motivated, and generally just excited about the things that we do. And then there might come a time when that mental health goes more on the negative side and we would feel 
uh, lonely, we would feel we would be experiencing mood swings, we would experience stress. So these are all symptoms of um, mental, not illness really, but mental, um, not having um, the best time in terms of our mental health. And the reason yeah. why I'm saying this is because mental health or mental disorder, it's very often associated with uh, with illness, right? And so the term itself, mental disorder, it says that you, it's a disorder. It's something that would, that is very much associated with clinical symptoms. And so in my view, we can very often just experience um, some mental health issues, but that, that doesn't mean that it would be, it would be clinically significant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so thank you. on your point of stress, just the other thing is, so stress is, um, it's interesting because stress, it's a, we would experience it when we are at risk, when we experience danger. So, so the stress, the reaction of stress, it's a normal human reaction to, to danger, uncertainty, uh, problems. It's something that actually protects us. So stress becomes an issue, a concern when there's too much of it or when it's regularly present. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. So this, this sounds very interesting. Uh, you're taking a very holistic approach to, to mental health. And I'm wondering, um, what are, uh, in your opinion, the most common causes of mental health uh, problems that young people face nowadays? So when we look at diagnostic approaches to mental disorders, we would very often come across this differentiation of common mental health problems and then severe psychiatric problems. And so <clears throat> the, the difference between the two really as the, the name is telling already. So common mental health problems would include depression, anxiety, mood disorders. Um, and so these are things that, that uh, most of us would likely to experience at, at least once in our lifetime. And so when it comes to young people, what this means is, I think particularly speaking in the in the in the context of COVID-19, I would say that it's the it's the level of uncertainty that really has a strong impact on um, on our mental health. And now I mean literally each and every of us. Um, so the uncertainty, the, the inability to plan um, changes. So change management management is something that is definitely impacting mental health. And then so something that I, I think in the mental health literature has started receiving a lot of interest in the past <clears throat> 10 years already, but, but now with COVID-19, especially, sorry, is the so, so social determinants of mental health. Um, and so what this means, for example, is with COVID-19, young people were specifically everyone, but including young people, um, we were we are specifically prone to um, the ec- economic instability. Those thinking, for example, of those who have just graduated or are graduating yeah. soon, the the fact that there is not many jobs available at if at all, that means a level of uncertainty that can very likely induce some mental health problems, um, mood swings, feeling low in terms of our mood, stress. Uh, even anxiety or fear when it comes to thinking of our future. Do you think that when we speak of uh, mental health problems for young people, do you think that the young people are more have more endurance in terms of uh, coping with mental health issues? Or is this uh, 
not something which can be stated. That's an interesting question. I, I'm not sure I have thought about it before too much. What I would say is that I, I think, I don't think young people by the, by because of their age, that they would be more adaptable or more resilient. I don't think that that's necessarily a factor, but I do think that there's been a lot more awareness um, regarding mental mm -hmm. health, well-being and mental disorder as well. And I think what that means is for someone who grew up in a society where it's a bit easier to speak up and ask for help, um, I think that means that's that's a coping mechanism or a coping strategy that will make it easier for people to, to get the support that they need. And likewise with stigma. So, and I mean, stigma is still a really big thing in uh, worldwide. And there's many countries where that the term mental health is just not one that is socially acceptable to use. Um, but there's been progress made in the past decade or so. There's a, a variety of advocacy organizations, very often led by young people, uh, mm. that is there to break that stigma and raise awareness so that it's okay for people to ask for support when they need it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, the other question that I wanted to ask you is how is uh, how is social distancing leading to mental health? It leads to isolation. This will be all, uh, we can all acknowledge that. But I'm wondering how, how what about the other mental health problems that are also uh, created by social distancing? Okay, so... I would answer your question by referring to the work that we did during the first wave of infections in Hungary. So what we did, uh, it, we opened a mental health crisis center. And so this was a center as part of a counseling, uh, a counseling center that already existed in the university uh, over there in Hungary. And so what we did was we implemented a program, which was a three sessions long brief counseling program for, for those in need. Uh, which meant primarily students and then and then university employees or partners of the university. Uh, so we spoke to people from a different backgrounds, really. And the 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 overall patterns in terms of issues, concerns that clients brought in. Um, so I would just tell you a few a few yeah. things about what these key patterns were. So um, not being able to or or a difficulty in terms of adjusting to everyday life with the lockdown, with isolation. So how do we do that? I would have my daily routine, uh, but all of a sudden, all of that is, is non, um, it doesn't apply anymore. How do I adjust to, to a new normal? And so that applies to lockdown, but it also applies to going back to a hybrid model. So whenever there's a change, how do I develop my daily routine? How do I adjust? So there's that. Then the, the, the fear and anxiety, particularly from, being infected or uh, going to an, an environment where there's a, a likelihood of a higher likelihood of being infected. So that's a that's a second one. And fear and anxiety, generally speaking, in regards to the future. So here again, just referring back to the idea that young people close to graduation or having graduated recently are just much more um, impacted by the social or the economic. Uh, consequences of the pandemic and so that directly results in some some stress some anxiety in, in many young people uh, and then the third one is mood swings so this is something that that a lot of our clients reported experiencing uh, as compared to a general 
or a more um, continuous sense of mood that doesn't change too much, having highs and lows and more extremes in terms of uh, mood experiences. And then in terms of other mental health symptoms or disorders, if someone had a pre-existing condition that was likely to be triggered by the pandemic. So that would mean if someone had had psychotic symptoms earlier, then those symptoms would have been provoked by the pandemic, it would come across as stronger. Um, or like, likewise, if someone was already suffering from uh, panic disorder, panic attacks, then that would be triggered by the pandemic. Um, yeah, so the, these were the experiences we had. Yeah, okay, that's very interesting. Um, one, of the, one of the big problems, in my opinion, seems to be also uh, loneliness. Um, how, what advice would you give to a person who, for example, is living in a different country away from his family and not only is unable to visit his family, but it's also much more difficult to keep in touch physically, keep in touch with his friends. Um, what would be your advice for such, uh, for such use case? So I guess it depends on whether on the existing lockdown measures. Uh, and so the, the, the most challenging, the hardest would be how to manage loneliness in a full lockdown, right? So yeah. when you're living perhaps by yourself, if with roommates, then you're lucky, but perhaps by yourself, away from family, away from people you're, you're close to. So I think this is when it's absolutely crucial that you pay even more attention to to the basics of mental health. So what I mean by that is having a daily routine that you set out and you keep to it regular, um, regular times for you to get up, regular times to go to sleep, making sure you're hydrated, making sure you got your, your daily physical activities, making sure that um, you, you do have time for yourself. You take the, the necessary breaks uh, for a lunch break, for the dinner break, for just having time for yourself. So these are the basics. And I think in, yeah. in, in this case, it's crucial that you make sure these things are in place. And then secondly, this is where, I mean, there's going to be some limitations when you're not allowed to go outside and then unfortunately you will be limited to, to online platforms. But the pandemic and technology has been quite, quite creative in terms of platforms that exist that, that can help with that. Either ones that match you up and uh, with another person who is in a similar situation. So using a peer support um, system or, or one that is just connecting people with, a, with a, a similar mindset. So in fact, Global Shapers, within the Global Shapers community, there was a project started exactly for this reason. Um, if I'm not mistaken, in it was a project from Mexico um, that connected people on a peer-to-peer -peer basis to check on each other's mental health and physical health. And it was just a video call for half an hour for people to catch up with one another. And given the circumstances, I think that's a really making sure that you benefit from these opportunities can be really helpful. Now, when lockdown is eased, I guess that's when it's a bit easier, but but nevertheless, I appreciate that some people uh, do find it challenging with safe, with health and safety measures. So if you're not yet vaccinated, you do want to make sure that that you're meeting people in, in a health-wise safe uh, environment. And so, um, again, 
finding the right platform and you know making sure that you have the right mental health practices in base so that, that that's that's what i would say yeah yeah very interesting the, i guess the project that you're referring to is random shapers so that's another one uh we we did that the random shaper one we did that in the uk so that's um that the project was first only within the global shapers community pairing up people on a random basis okay. that they get to know one another and then we use that platform to match up people but particularly in the uk um to check on each other's mental health and the one that i refer to from mexico the idea was very very similar but it was um people could sign up particularly to get support in a time of covid 19 um so i think they yeah. had a somewhat more global reach yeah Okay, the next question I'd like to ask you is about identifying mental health problem. Really, how can you spot, for example, that you may suffer from a mental health problem or that you have a friend who may suffer from a mental health problem? Because often it seems like those issues uh, do not uh, are not discoverable in an easy way. Mm-hmm. So I think on the one hand, this is where awareness really plays a role. So if we have a basic education uh, yeah. about the, the whole the whole issue of mental health, when we know what the the key symptoms are, the key issues are, then then we will be more likely to identify when there's a need for further support with a friend, yeah. with a family member. Uh, so I think that that really comes back to mental health literacy and awareness about mental health. Um, And now there's a there's a there's a lot of information available online. So when it comes to common mental health problems, identifying that that our friend is um, less available than usual would be having issues related to his or her his or her mood, um, would be cancelling meetings. Uh, his or her behavior seems to have changed. So these are the the initial initial questions. When identifying a problem for ourselves, I think the, of course, the idea is not that we all become psychologists, psychiatrists. The idea yeah. is that we we are able to identify when we need support that goes beyond self help or support from from a friend. And so I think the question that we can regularly ask ourselves is, am I able to cope? with what I'm supposed to be doing. So am I able to deliver the tasks that I that I, I give to myself in terms of my professional work, household chores, meeting up friends, or am I feeling that I'm continuously failing to achieve these activities? So this is one, like, am I able to do what I want to do, what I'm supposed to do? And the second one is whenever there's, um, whenever we struggle, some of the basics, we, we feel that in the basics. So we would have a changing sleep, a, a changed sleeping pattern, a changed eating pattern. We would have changes in how often we would want to meet our social circles. So it's in the basics. So, and, the, and then once again, I come back to mental health literacy. Are we taught as such? Are, did we educate ourselves? Are we encouraging ourselves to do a regular self-checking um, just to see whether things are fine or do I feel, okay, this is this is a bit too much right now. I need to take a step back. I need to evaluate whether to, to ask for further support. Um, yeah. Yeah, okay, thank you, sorry. Sound advice, definitely going to 
um, ask myself more often if I'm able to cope <laughs> with what I'm supposed to do. Um, so you were speaking that if you're, you're speaking about the change of behavior in, in a friend, for example, if a friend becomes less available or if they kind of start to cancel meetings, it may be, may be a reason, it may, be a, uh, it may suggest that they may need some support. What do you think are the best ways to support a friend whom you suspect may suffer, for example, from loneliness or from uh, anxiety or from mood swing? Right, so I think it, it depends a bit on what the issue is. If, if we find that our friend or family member is just, is lonely, then being there and being present might as well be a, a solution. As soon as it goes to questions such as mood swings and stress, perhaps depressive symptoms, mood, mood disorders, then that's when it also makes sense for us to take a step back and on the one hand, be there, be present. And um, on the other hand, encourage our friend to seek um, professional support. And the reason is that as friends, that the relationship between two friends will ultimately have a really different dynamic from a professional and and a patient, a client, someone who is seeking support. And so, and, and so I think it's important for us to recognize where these boundaries are, both from the professional's perspective, the professional will never become a friend and a friend will never become a professional. Um, and, then, and then the last thing I, I think that is crucial is active listening. And so this is one that I think is recently promoted as part of communication skills in workplaces, in, in education, but so active listening. So what it means is that I'm there, I'm listening to you as a friend, as a professional, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. I'm there, I'm present and I understand you. And I let you know that I am, the, I hear you and I get, I get what you're saying. And um, so I, I, I listened to a TED talk recently and I really liked how um, in that talk they differentiated uh, what sympathy and what empathy means. And so, so active listening means empathizing with the other. So I'm not, I'm there in a non-judgmental way. I'm listening to you. I, I, I won't yeah. be able to provide a solution because I'm another human being, but yeah. I'm there listening. I'm, I'm with you and I understand if it's hard for you. I understand if it's great for you. I understand what you're feeling yeah. and I'm, I'm there. Yeah. Um, one um, one mental health condition is known as burnout, and I wanted to ask you more about that. What is burnout, and uh, how is this different from normal stress, really? Yeah, so um, I've come across burnout a lot recently, and I guess that's that's a, that's a, one of the consequences of the ongoing pandemic. So burnout, as you're saying, it's an it's an ongoing um, stress. It's an ongoing fatigue that results in uh, that has various consequences on a mental and on a physical health uh, level. On the level of physical health, what you would often experience is is fatigue, tiredness, um, change again changes in your sleeping and eating patterns. Uh, and then on the on the mental health level, not be re finding it really hard to be motivated, finding it really hard to 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 find a purpose, to find a reason why you would keep doing things, 
um, you would find it really hard to get going to, to do physical activity. So it's on the level of your perceived energy and perceived motivation. It's a, it's a big drop. The, and so it's usually a result of a, ongoing and continuous pressure, ongoing and continuous tiredness and, and pressure and stress that you experience. Uh, a flag, a red flag for this is for burnout is when you sleep many, many hours in a row on a weekend, for example, and nevertheless, you wake up on a Sunday and you feel you're still exhausted. You're just, you couldn't relax enough. Yeah. Uh, you couldn't rest enough. So a red flag, it's, it, it doesn't mean that you're already burnt out, but it's a red flag for you when, when you just can't find a way in which you would, you would refresh, you would be refreshed and you would feel your batteries are recharged. Um, but the, 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 the big issue with burnout is that it's, um, you will not have a, an easy solo solution, so to say. You won't have that, uh, say you have a, pay, a yeah. headache and then you take one, one pill and all of a sudden it's resolved. Mm -hmm. uh, if someone is burnt out, then, then it, it does take time to, to recharge the batteries, to, to allow for the body and the mind to, to be refreshed. So, so that's when it makes sense to take a, to take a, a sabbatical and leave at least a month, perhaps two months, uh, so that one can really um, yeah. come back and feel energized again. Yeah. Okay, fantastic. And to finish off, I'd like to ask you a question about... Uh, keeping you know keeping fit what would you recommend people do if they are to you know look after their mental health and uh, prevent getting uh, any mental health problems right uh, so i think referring back to what i said earlier about regular self-check something i would even suggest is that you book an hour every month in your calendar as a running calendar invite for yourself as a time for self-check. And so, of course, it doesn't necessarily mean that every first Monday of the month at 10 a.m. in the morning, you have to sit down and do some active reflections, but it's a good reminder for yourself to do that. Some people are just naturally more reflective and, and they would spend time thinking about how they are doing, but yeah. some, people, some people find it a bit more challenging and that's fine. So that's why having a reminder for yourself to, um, to think a bit about how you're doing, whether uh, you're, you're experiencing any changes in your mood, in, in your physical health, in your mental health, in terms of stress, in terms of, in terms of, um, in terms of your mood, in terms of uh, anything else about how you're feeling. Uh, so that's something that makes sense. And then the other one, it's about daily routine, um, both in terms of how you structure your day. So what, what yeah. do you have a structure a framework according to which you live your daily life, yeah. whether it's in lockdown or not in lockdown, uh, whether you have all those basics in terms of mental health in place, physical activities, nutritious food, keeping yourself hydrated, um, going meeting, meeting up with your friends every now and then, are all these things in place? And then a third, a third thing, which uh, is again about self-check a little bit, looking around your physical environment. So the way in which our physical environment can be a really good representation of our own mental health. So when you look around yourself and what you find is there is a mess, there's, um, there's no structure, you can't, you can't find your things, 
that's very often a, a manifestation of some questions to be figured out by yourself uh, internally. So that's a, that's a third one. And then last, lastly, yeah. uh, to, be, to be able to be weak, to be able to say, yeah. I'm not fine now, and then to communicate that. So whether it's to your supervisor, to your boss, to your going to see your GP, uh, asking for support in a peer support group or from a psychologist, but, but to be able to do that and to be able to say, this is now, right now, I just need, I need to take a step back. Mm, I see. These are all uh, for very, very good advice. Definitely going to, for example, take book some time in my calendar for self-checking. Definitely can be so. <laughs> yeah, thank you very much for your time. It was fantastic speaking to, with you. Thank you very much. And I, I look forward to the, to the further discussions as well.